Hello and welcome to No Direction's official PaizoCon 2019 seminar coverage in partnership with Paizo. Our coverage would not be possible without the help of our con staff, Paizo, and our patrons. Find more seminar recordings at nodirectionpodcast.com. Um, hi. So you're here to talk about writing and editing for RPGs. Uh, I'm Judy Bauer. I'm the managing editor. and I'm Lisa Goldar. I'm a regular editor. <laughs> yeah. uh, and we just want to run this um, in a lot of ways to just answer the kinds of questions that you have and also kind of talk about like what we are looking for in like you know how to help us uh, or like how to help yourself get hired more and this, that because that second the first job is you know tricky enough to get especially if like it's your first time the second one is you know the second uh, thing you're hired for is yours to lose based on the first one. So um, it's really kind of getting your foot in the door and then, like, making sure that it is very shapely and clean. And this is a terrible metaphor, but, you know, like, start in the morning. Um, and so I guess how many people are, like, have uh, kind of been published somewhere in, like, third party or whatever or anything? Yeah, great. Okay. How many people are trying to get published? Yeah. And how many people just are, are like mostly interested in kind of like uh, spicing up their own games? So, yeah, okay, fair. So we got like kind of the whole range. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot. So I mean, I think the writing for writing for Pathfinder and some of those panels, um, the developers will tell you a lot more about kind of the um, the pathway to get noticed by them, which. Uh, so I can give you the Cliff Notes versions of things like, you know, write if you want to get hired to write for Path or for Paizo, like third-party publications are a good way to, to get your foot in the door. There are quests, um, kind of like m making your name, uh, getting your name uh, known by the different developers because they're the folks who are hiring things. We are the people who are we're more on the side of giving them feedback about. Oh boy. Wow, we sure rewrote that, you know, like that whole third scene or whatever yeah. it is. Um, so, um, you want to catch on? But so a lot of the things that, so there's some kind of really basic things that you can do to help your case. Like once you have a, uh, like get hired to write something, the first thing is just, oh my gosh, meet your deadlines. It is better to meet your deadlines and have something that's a little unpolished mm, than right. to have, you know, tr to keep polishing and p polishing and polishing and then suddenly it's like a month late and whoops. Yeah. Turns out <laughs> scenarios are monthly, yeah. so something else had to go uh -oh. in that slot. Yeah. Uh, and that's a problem. That's what editors are for. We can polish your stuff for you. You just meet yeah. those deadlines yeah. and we'll, we got your back. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, and then also just, uh, but do take the time to kind of look at similar products to what you're writing and see what we already have produced and kind of get a sense of like what the expectations are and also like what maybe new directions you could look for. Um, will often give you opportunities to like being like if there, if it's part of a larger thing like a um, a book that has a whole bunch of sections um, will put you in contact might put you in contact with other authors to talk to them and um, kind of exchange ideas and see make sure that what you're writing is like kind of matching up thematically right, or right. even give you suggestions of hey you know you should write 
six feet, and a couple of them should cover, you know, these particular topics, or they should. Um, Thank you. Um, they should all be about like the uh, feats for dwarves. If we ask you to write something and you don't write that thing, <laughs> that's another that not be great. <laughs> major strike. And they're like, yeah. oh, it's like, oh, no, actually, every six section is supposed to be in this book is supposed to be identical and of one archetype and a page of feats. And if you gave, wrote, got really excited and wrote me three archetypes and no feats, then you know that's a bunch of content that we have to come up with internally or right. pay somebody else at the last minute to to write so yeah. yeah the ability to follow the outline like we'll always send out a pretty detailed outline on what we need um and also another point i think yeah. would be to study the culture of the company that you're hoping to write for um studying their products and seeing how much you can fit in and not just like sending in stuff that may be, like, completely opposite of what they, as employees and stuff, would be interested in. Like, I don't know, any specific examples or anything. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, like, uh, if you decide, like, you get hired to write for Starfinder and decide you're really more interested in Pathfinder and are trying to get the attention of the Pathfinder devs, like, don't, don't just write Pathfinder content instead. (laughs) Um, But, or maybe, like, Really, um, like we have our content is generally it is violent, but it is not really explicit, like sexually explicit. So right, right. if all of a sudden everything is super racy and we're just ha- like, oh, and now there's a super detailed orgy on page three of this, like, dove right in there. Like, that's like, that's not what we're looking for at all. And yeah. that's going to create a lot more, a lot more work for us. And also, Give us a sense that you don't know what we want. You don't know what our audience wants. And, like, that's kind of a... mm, (laughs) um, uh, Yeah. Um, Talking about moving from one line to another, say you get hired to do something, but what you really want to do is is Mm -hmm. this other thing. Um, Having done this with with another company in the past, um, tell that to your managing editor. Mm. Whoever is taking your content say, hey, I'm really glad you liked what I presented to you last time. I'd really like to do something else with your other line. Is there anything open for that? Ask that question. Because while your managing editor may may say, oh, well, I I, I didn't know that's what you wanted. Or they may say, no, you're mine. Um, If they say, no, you're mine, find someone else. Um, But if they say, oh, I didn't know that's what you wanted, is it wrong to say nine times out of ten they'll be perfectly happy to introduce you to somebody yeah else. absolutely yeah because yeah. mm-hmm. the more work you do for them the better off they are so. yeah yeah the devs are like and design team are like they're swapping freelancer names all the time mm-hmm. and like asking each other oh hey do you have anybody who's good at writing feats oh hey do you have anybody mm-hmm. who's like you know who do you have somebody who you think you know might be interested in writing scenarios and like they because right. um, we i mean we don't have we don't have so much stuff that we can like have one per, or well I should say it's it's hard for one developer to sign to like have enough stuff to like keep no sorry coffee caffeine's just <laughs> people aren't generally possessive is what okay. I'm really trying to say here I've um, had a okay and I found oh. someone else huh. yeah good call yeah fascinating um, yeah but that's huh. yeah that's that's <laughs> not that common for for us yeah why so we're we definitely not <laughs> like um, this was really too Oh, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. 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 Um, but, you know, it, 
so people are kind of like there. We're always looking for like we we need a lot of people, and we need a lot of people who um, can do all kinds of different things. And right. like we need to also kind of keep discovering it, what more types of work we can give people. Mm-hmm. Like once. Um, the more versatile you can prove yourself to be and the more interests you show yourself to have, like, that is going to definitely increase your popularity. Yeah. And, like, you were saying, like, feel free if you ever send anything in to be like, I'm interested in doing this as well. Like, can you get me in touch with Blob? And I think most everyone at our company, at least, would be happy to do that for you. So. um, Maybe ask questions to join if you want to. Yeah, no, go for it. Yeah. Can you give us an idea of, on a typical project, you said you need people. You're mm-hmm. looking for 18 samples and you only get two. It, can you give me a gauge of how many, more, how much more need there is versus comp? That's not necessarily in our wheelhouse, right? Like, that's more of a dev thing. Yeah. So, well, I mean, so I can give you, like, a few kinds of examples. So, um, the, for, like, for an adventure path, for example, like, one volume, um, like... For first edition, it would be one person writing the adventure and the NPCs, and then there would be maybe like two or three six to ten page uh, kind of supplementary sections that are kind of like middle grounds, where like uh, uh, the adventure itself is like 55-ish pages. That's a lot. Like, spoiler, you're not going to get that your first time in the door, because that's a huge commit, like it's a huge thing to ask of someone. It's hard. And... um, if the person doesn't deliver, we're really up a creek. Yeah. And like that's just not kind to give to somebody early in their in their freelancing career. Um, but you know we have. But then at the end, there's you know another maybe ten pages of of monsters that are just a two page spread. So maybe you know the monsters are a pretty like easy, relatively easy way to get your foot in the door. Yeah. Um, so I did. Yeah, <laughs> or for the design team, it turns out if you have like a like a three hundred page book that has a hundred pages of feats, you know, some people will maybe ask like people who are new to write maybe a page or two of feats, mm. um, and other people are like, oh, I don't know, here's you know six pages, go do do the thing that you want, but like <laughs> let me know what they are so I can you know coordinate, or you know like oh I know you a little bit better. If you're interested in writing rules subsystems, you know, I need rules for X, Y, and Z. Are there ones that you're more interested in? Uh, Adventures paths got a little bit, have gotten a little trickier in second edition just because um, of kind of how we're putting them together, where um, partly because everybody's learning the rules still all at the same time. So, like, things are getting a lot more review, but we're trying to make a lot more effort to make sure that. Um, the monsters and the items and the spells and kind of all the extra rule bits are all fitting together a lot more closely. So uh, that tends to end up with one person writing a lot more of the content. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure it's consistent for P2 for now at least. Mm -hmm. But say the Lost Omens uh, books that we're putting out, like the different world guides that are about 130 pages will tend to have maybe depending on the topic, kind of 8 to 12 se- different subsections that might all be written by different authors. So, yeah. And even even in then, you might have, say, like, if you, if you have a topic where 
you know one person is really good at writing like setting text and another person is really good at writing rules you might but not setting text you might kind of match them up and split something between yeah. them so it like it really varies a lot kind of by the by the sure. assignment yeah so yeah so less so on the writing side or even the dev side mm-hmm. this is more of a one-on-one question is editors yeah what is your like day-to-day workflow like like how much does it vary from project to project sometimes you have to do a lot sometimes a little is it very yeah. consistent or it's not consistent <laughs> it's great it's an yeah. adventure <laughs> from week to week we could be working on like 10 different projects and then sometimes there's like one thing that we're all just kind of piling on to but I mean as a day-to-day we just get in and we just pick a project or we're already working on a project and we just sit down and red pen it basically it's pretty chillax <laughs> hopefully mostly yeah. from there then so mm-hmm. you obviously get some sort of initial work product to your desk. Mm-hmm. Is there a lot yeah. of back and forth? Is there back and forth between you? <laughs> Does it go back to the devs and back to you? Yes. Yes. <laughs> kind of and the art yeah. team and the design team. And it's like it, it's a very communicative process. Like as we're editing, we'll come up with questions for the developers like how does this work or like are you sure this is what this is supposed to say and like we'll go talk to the devs and then be like oh this picture is wrong or you know like go talk to the art team and get that fixed and then um in terms of our team uh we work together a lot because oftentimes we are working on like different sections of the same project and don't necessarily see the whole thing ourselves so we kind of have to connect and see like what's going on like oh this person's name was this in the first chapter, but then the second chapter on, for some reason, it, it got two R's instead of just one. So we kind of have to make sure everything's consistent by communicating with one another. Yeah, and sometimes that's a c- consistency in tone and just like exactly yeah. making sure. But it's, it can also be things like, oh, is this actually laid out in the same way through the <laughs> through the whole section <laughs> where too. you know, like, oh, all of a sudden all the headings are different in one section than another, and just you know, like maybe <laughs> maybe two different people in the art team were laying something out and they just you know got things a little muddled up. Yeah. Can you talk for a minute about? Um, modifying your writing voice when you're writing for a company versus writing for, say, your your own publication. Because mm-hmm. one of the problems that I, I have, uh, I have a very distinctive writing voice when I'm writing for our stuff. Um, but if I were to write for someone else, you were saying earlier, like, know your, know your corporate culture, know that. Right, right. Um, there's a very distinctive, I hate to say the word generic, um, but there's a very distinctive, almost generic writing voice for Paizo because mm-hmm. Pathfinder has to be not only for Galarian but for everybody else, right? Um, if I were to come in and I were to try to write, say, a whole bunch of pieces or whatever, my writing voice would have to be dramatically changed mm-hmm. for that. Right. Could, you, could you talk about do you have the difficulties that you have with that with people or maybe the way that you would help coach those people? Yeah, well, and it varies. It kind of varies between the kind of content you're writing or mm-hmm. you're writing. So if you're writing rules content, then we tend to have like we to make it to make it really clear about like we or we try to use a lot of like templated very templated language for rules mm-hmm. just to so we're not saying oh we used a slightly different term there is that implying that this works a little bit differently so like for the actual meat of the rules um, if you find something that is working similar to what you're doing then you know like kind of mirror that kind of language but you know what you're saying in the like in the introduction to the, like that feed of like oh this is uh, when you 
um, are punching a dinosaur, you knock it back 15 feet because with a rate your hatred of dinosaurs or you know whatever like something like that you can like that can be have a pretty free voice but then when you're actually getting into into the rules if you can can just sort of hew closely and um so like first second edition and first starfinder like the core like look into the core language or core rule books and kind of see get a sense of like how things are worded and just kind of like read through that and study that and use that as model as a model as much as possible yeah um Personally, I find it depends on the product, especially. Yeah. Um, I have found that Starfinder can be a lot more kooky than Pathfinder and have like a lot more of a sense of humor because mm-hmm. just the nature of the game, it's ridiculous. So yeah. um, I feel like there's a lot more, not freedom, but you feel less like you're going against the style by being ridiculous in Starfinder. So... I've written some pretty strange stuff, and I've kept my, you know, lacy-like writing voice for that, and it didn't seem to be a problem. Um, And on our stuff, I kind of feel like we do kind of have our own, even if it's kind of, like, genericized in some places, we all each have our own kind of writing styles. Like, I can read something and be like, Jason Keighley wrote this, this is... This is so cutey. Like, he's got his own kind of flavor, and uh, James Jacobs has his own kind of flavor. Like, I can always tell. Like, yeah. it's not all necessarily just super vanilla. We've kind of got our own subtleties that we throw in there. So I don't think you necessarily have to, like, dial your style back, just depending on what you're writing for. I mean... Unless your style is something like, I use all caps for emphasis okay, all yeah. the don't time. Do that. I do use that. 13 exclamation points. I was talking more about, say, for example, like, you know, um, uh, the, the more conversational versus the more right, right. Uh, informal mm-hmm. yeah. style. Um, of and that was kind of the goal, I think, for P2 was to let ourselves be a little more conversational for that book, which you will find out when it comes out. Um, that was the design team's, like, major goal, to be less sterile and be more like, hey, what's up? I'm just telling you how to play this game. What's up, buddy? Like, <laughs> you know. So hopefully that comes across well enough. Uh, <laughs> it was it was a frantic time, so we'll see how it all came together. The last six months, it was all a blur. Just woke up all of a sudden, like, oh, what's, what's happening? But yeah. yeah. Hopefully that answers it. Blacking out. Uh Yeah. If Lacey wouldn't know anything about those, she certainly doesn't specialize in writing like sinister bug creatures. Yeah. Or adorable bug creatures. Adorable bug creatures and some pretty messed up stuff, too. I did have another question. Yeah. As editors, Mm -hmm. have you ever had to send something back to a writer and say, tone it up? So for, example, so, for example, I, I tend to run very low magic to mid magic games, and so mm-hmm. I find that a lot of things that I'm writing for my personal games are not as powerful as you might otherwise see in games where by 15 level people are running around plus four weapons. Right, right, right. Have you ever had to? Because I know that some people are going to mm-hmm. have these questions because you've been working yeah. with like, folks over here, you were saying that you're looking for stuff for you know improving your own games, and other people are looking for stuff to try to break in with. If you've been writing for your own game for 15 years and your own game has its own certain conceits and caveats, have you ever had to send something back to somebody and say, hey, you know what, this is great, but it's not appropriate to the power level that we're asking you for. Can you make it bigger? So uh, we're later in the process than that could reasonably happen. Yeah. Okay. Um, but certainly, the, so as 
for most jobs that you would get hired for for Paizo, and I think for a lot of companies, you are you send you're expected to send in a milestone partway through to just show mm-hmm. that like, oh, I I am actually working on this thing. I'm making good <laughs> progress, but also so they can kind of check like check your tone, check like the po- check things like the power level, and then mm-hmm. um, uh, you might get. Just a thumbs up of yep, yep, looks good. Keep it coming. Um, or you might get notes like, oh, this is, you know, we need these to be more powerful, less powerful, depending on kind of where you are. Or you know, maybe um, think about maybe adding, incorporating more of this kind of flavor. Or, or yeah, so there, there is a feedback stage yeah. for kind of getting us, and that's because that's man. If you yeah. Feedback from any feedback you get from your de- uh, developer, the designer you're working with, that is gold because that is them telling you. Uh, so one, it's telling um, you that they think that you're worth investing in, um, but it's also telling you, hey, this is what I want to want you to show me that you can do, so I hire you again. Right. So right. yeah. These are mm-hmm. the questions I'm asking. The questions that I wish that somebody had asked for me. When oh I was yeah, <laughs> first right, right. Asking, you know, coming into the panels like these. So right, right. Because maybe they don't know to ask. Yeah. I want to note though that if devs don't send you feedback, it's not because you are not, not necessarily. Worth it. They are extremely busy a lot of the time too. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Give me tips for avoiding tunnel vision. You know, the thing where you think, oh, hey, I just. Created my heartbreaking order of staggering genius, and you come back three days later, like, oh my god, it's riddled with the dangling modifiers and typos. Yeah, like, uh, it's 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 really easy to find that stuff in other people's work. It's so hard to find in your own, and it winds up being really embarrassing when you're yeah. right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, I usually just kind of step like when I I can kind of feel it coming on. Like I've been working on this for too long. I probably have not caught like half the dumb stuff that I've been doing. Um, so I usually just take a break. Is the best way I can say to do that um, and then come back and reread your stuff in like you know a couple of hours a couple of days if you have the time <laughs> try to have the time yeah also, try, try to have the time to be able to do that and take breaks and stuff because breaks are great um, and then come back and just reread it and see because that's usually how I catch things like that or you could ask someone just like hey can you take a look at this like you the trusted friend you know something like that as long as you know you're not under NDA or whatever like yeah. <laughs> legalities <laughs> yeah also don't break NDA but um, yeah like it, 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 or one another way you can or one way that can help with that um, is if when you're going back and reading too if you don't just start at the top and read all the way through but maybe start at the back and kind of read backwards or you know take a yeah. like stop and take a section at a time um, and this can also be an opportunity to say to like look at things and say like oh hey was there some connection between some ideas that you know now I've had a chance to like let things gel a little bit more and I'm not just like typing frantically as fast as I can and not even looking at the screen because I just need to like get the word count and get all my ideas out but also I you know I've had a little time to, to let things stew and like mm-hmm. develop the ideas a little bit more yeah. so like that that second or third read through with your things can not only be a cleanup but also just um like a strengthening and sharpening of your right, ideas right. yeah so um uh, yeah um maybe we can talk a little bit about some of our 
pet peeves of stuff that were, you know, <laughs> things, that, things that we would likely give feedback on to the developer of like, oh. Uh, I don't know about something that I would go out of my way to give feedback on, but this is something I fix a lot, and that's the word vast. <laughs> like, it comes up 50 times per paragraph, especially in Starfinder, when, like, how else are you going to describe space? It's vast. Like, okay. <laughs> and it's already a term, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's already a proper noun. We've got enough vast. Yeah. So I guess, in a more general term, it's just using the same words over and over again. Like, I wouldn't necessarily say, mm-hmm. like, the source, that crap, because that's kind of, like, maybe not the best way to do that either, but just kind of very the uh, specific words that you're using, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that, that is something, like, I go through in circle, too. Like, everything is unimaginable. Yeah. <laughs> everything is dark. Everything is purple. Everything's <laughs> purple. <laughs> dark like, Lovecraft. Indescribable. Indescribable. Oh, yeah, Love, yeah. Lovecraftisms. Yeah. <laughs> not, not usually so much. So, but yeah, like, yeah. But I think indescribable and indescribable, vast and unimaginable and were unimaginable. like all in something I was reading on Wednesday <laughs> in the, the same test, paragraph. The playtest so. for PF2 had a um, featureless void. Yes. And so we're sitting, and the GM is getting the map ready, and somebody's like, "So, so, what does it look like?" And we featureless void. How uh, many times do we have to say featureless There's nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's empty. Yeah. And he just yeah. couldn't concept it. Right, right. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to say to him, I wanted to say to him, do you ever see the Twilight Zone movie? You know, the bit where the, mm-hmm. the Twilight Zone movie, the kid that's wishing everybody to the cornfields ends the world and it's just him and the woman in the, in the void. Right. They're just standing there in nothing. <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> Could you feasibly tell Faza, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to write whatever it is for you, but I only have, say, 10 hours a week. Could you say, I'll do whatever project you want, but I have time constraints, or give them plenty of notice if you're going on a family vacation. How likely are you to hire a versatile but time-limited person? For somebody who, like, it's somebody who is upfront about their time constraints and understands how much they can get done, that is super precious yeah, because that is a person who's clearly signaling like, like it really increases the actually the developer's trust in you to know mm-hmm. that like because we have we have a fair amount of small projects that we can hand out to mm-hmm. people and uh, somebody you know giving somebody like a smaller amount of work that we know will get done is amazing yeah because then we can always you know if we happen to have something else we can go back and like oh by the way, if you finish early or, you know, like, yeah, uh, what's the worst possible thing is, well, worst things are, you know, taking on way more than you can chew, you know, Mm -hmm. like a lot, some people will be like, oh, I'll take this assignment from this developer and this assignment from somebody else. And if they just, you know, they might not know that they're both, that many people are giving you work and it might be more than you can Right, right. Can tackle mm-hmm. um, disappearing because you're just I got to get everything done. I got to get everything done, and then ignoring all those like, hey, <laughs> where are you? <laughs> are you we okay? Need, <laughs> we need your projects. Yeah, um, we would rather know something terrible is go- is going on, right, or right. like something changed, or you know, like if you can't meet a deadline. Um, we had somebody 
email once and say, hey, it's actually not yet my deadline, but there's an there turns out there was a hurricane and now there's an oil tanker on my house <laughs> and I am not going to be spending the next month like trying to find a place to live and writing a million different insurance right. forms. <laughs> Here's the piece of adventure that I unfinished adventure that I have. And it was for like an AP adventure. Better than Sorry. Nothing. <laughs> like, yeah. We hired that person again because they, you know, they like let us, yeah, they let us know exactly what was going on. They let us know with plenty of time to like find somebody else to complete the project. And they just, you know, like letting, you know, being honest in the face of disaster <laughs> about <laughs> what you can accomplish yeah. is like, that is a good hallmark of responsibility yeah we understand that stuff happens we're not going to hold it against you and i think it's more valuable to know your time constraints like even if like nothing terrible happens but i'm going on vacation in two weeks like Mm -hmm. it's better to know that and then rather than having you just disappear and yeah yeah not Um, know where you are (laughs) yeah on the other hand the person is like we're like oh where are you where's your where's your adventure that's overdue and they're like oh i'm on safari That person did not get hired again. <laughs> um, Where was my invite? I wanted to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I guess for my, for just a quick note about like one of my personal pet peeves, um, I'm recruiting you all to help with is things that settings that are like fantasy settings that are super generic, like Western European, oh, yeah. even when that doesn't really make sense. Like if you're writing an adventure set in Minkai. Uh, it probably, or like, or in Vudra, like Vudra probably doesn't have like enormous stone looming dark pile, rock pile fortresses with vast fireplaces, vast, um, <laughs> that are dominating the room <laughs> because I mean, you, you don't need them. Like on, you need a building with that has some airflow and, you right, know, like, right. so think of, think about what makes sense for the setting. Yeah. Um, think about ways that you can make your settings stand out, mm. um, even it, which could be, you know, even if it's something that is a little more Western, generically Western hey. European, like maybe Andoran or something like yeah, yeah. Find a different hook. Um, but also, um, and if you're writing for Starfinder, do your best not to make everything sound like a modern office park. Really like, yesterday. I did, I did. So like and this is my hearkening back to the fantastical set dressing thing, but it like it just makes me really sad to see adventures set in like cubicles which just it we, feels, we have to deal with that every day. Yeah, that's like oh, it's just rubbing it in that my life is not an adventure. So that's like so the more you can do to kind of like take a few take a little extra time to you know make your settings stand out is yeah, yeah. Like, that is gold mm-hmm. there's a reason why in Star Wars you, you don't see people in cubicle farms right they, they're <laughs> they're standing in weird circular pylons with instructions on all sides or or have 1970s era soundboards maybe that's not as good an example um, but even if something would make perfectly reasonable logical modern sense this is a even a science fantasy adventure is an adventure right you don't want people to think oh it's my office i guess i'll go shoot the manager with a nerf gun um try try to add something that they have not necessarily seen before or if they had they're more likely to have seen it in an interesting movie or comic than like tuesday 
Uh, obviously, I'm late. Here's a word of advice for dealing with editors. Don't tell them you'll moderate a panel and be a half hour late. That's bad. Because um, you should always be incredibly kind to your editors. They're the only people who are paid to look you look smarter. So uh, I apologize. I literally went to the wrong place and got confused. Oh, yeah. That no happened to me last year. <laughs> yeah. Yes, ma'am? Oh, yeah. on the issue of being nice to editors, as like the grammar nerd among my circle of friends, I kind of get press ganged into doing the proofreading and everything, and then they don't want to do what I tell them to do, like fix the 15 <laughs> run-on sentences in a row. How do you deal with someone who is like resistant to feedback in a in a nice way? Because they're my friends and I want to help them. Right. I right. also want to whipple bat them a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> do, do you want to tackle that or shall I at first? I guess, I mean... Be, well, so on on your end, I might be a little more defensive of my time of like just being upfront with them of like no, if you're not gonna actually take feedback, why are you you know like I, I could be like I could be making money during this time, <laughs> I could be baking a cake or doing laundry during this time, like you know, um, but yeah, just you know when people are trying to help you, just listen to their advice. And right. hey, no, <laughs> no stabbing in our. In, um, I would say, um, if you know your friends well, like know their specific ticks that kind of makes them get defensive and kind of like wiggle your way around it somehow. Like I don't know a specific example, but like mm-hmm. if someone just doesn't like being told to do something in a certain way, like maybe just kind of try to word it differently and then maybe they'll be oh, more receptive yeah. to it. I don't know. Well, is that, is that actually, manipulative? Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, communication is manipulation. Right, right, that's true. Um, but it's uh, uh, something that I have used in a, prote- in a professional context. Some people just need time to digest things and you can bring something up that they're not going to want to hear at the end of the day day for certain people mm. and they'll just be like rah, 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 and the, but they'll, they'll think about it overnight and come in in the morning and they're like yeah we should do that <laughs> or some people are morning people and you like can catch them in the time in the morning and they're when they're receptive and excited about the day before they've you know had 15 hours of meetings and are beaten down right, and right. grumpy so, you know like I guess use psychology whatever psychology you can to like find you know like Times that might like when they are like context where they might be a little more receptive. Checklists can also work because sometimes it's not like they're not taking you seriously. It's just that you know you do it once and then you forget. But if it's if it's a like a specific thing that they can just, especially something Mm. they can search for. Yeah, that's a good point. Then they can just run down the list. Right, right. So we we have done that to the for some of the devs for. Uh, to good effect, when they're just like, "Oh yeah, before I turn this, hand this over." Yeah, I mean, I I have a checklist of things to do before I give editors my manuscript, and I have heard less successful, not as popular, not as employed designers say things like, "Well, that's the editor's jobs." Look, the editor gets a certain number of hours on my manuscript, and if I'm asking them to use any of those hours to spell check, I'm saying, oh, I don't actually want you to make this better. I want you to do part of my job. It should be as clean as I can make it before I give it to them. Um, I'm terrible, and as a result, I want my editors to smile at me as much as possible, (laughs) because other, I mean, seriously, if I'm hard to work with, there's, when a company is looking at something, if you're constantly saying, well, this person's turnovers are really rough. What you're telling them, people, is this person's actually much more expensive to get a good product out of than we think. So 
you're asking a very specific question about your friends. Do whatever makes sense for you for your friendship. If they want to be better as writers and designers and developers, you need to tell them, look, if you don't take feedback, if you don't improve from a friend doing a favor editing, then you're not prepared for the big leagues when professional editors will tell you, we've bought this, we're making this change. You can work with us to find a change that works best for your vision, or we'll just do it. If a freelancer turns something over to us and we want to edit it, the, the freelancer is only going to be asked about it if there is some reason to want their their specific tone or you're not even sure what they meant. Otherwise, the freelancer isn't being consulted. The developer will get consulted, and again... Every time an editor wants to talk to me, and I was about to say come over to my desk, because they usually do, but it's it's a co-equal relationship. I'm perfectly happy to go to their desk. The final product has their name on it, too, right? And no one notices good editing. That's part of the point. Um, but people sure notice bad editing, so you have really got to remember their, their reputation is on the line, and they may get yelled at more than you do just by fans, and that's not fun for anybody. Um, when I and an editor are discussing something, my end goal is not to protect my vision. My end goal is not to do as little work as possible. My end goal is to have the best possible product. Um, these two ladies are professional editors. I'm not. So if they come to me with a problem, my starting point is there's a problem. Then they propose a solution. I do have certain expertise in things like game mechanics. So they will sometimes say something like, this word is awkward, can we change it? And occasionally I have to say, no, we have codified this awkwardness in the rules. I'm sorry, but the way this works is, is not optional because it'll change the rules. And sometimes the answer is, is that something we can errata? This is genuinely confusing, in which case we're, we're going to a deeper back conversation. But my starting point is, yes, we can change it. Is the change they're proposing the best change? Let's have a conversation about that. All of the editors I work with, because I don't open by yelling at them and telling them I won't make changes, right? I, I, please, come tell me what I've done wrong. Let's improve this. My name will also be on it. Let's make it as good as possible. My starting position is, let's find the best solution. I will give a concrete example of both a very gentle approach an editor took with me and how he was entirely right and I needed to make all the changes. I wrote the critical hit deck for Starfinder. Leo Glass was editing it. Um, and he came to me at one point and he said, so... These three critical hit effects have the same name. Two of them are spelled one way and a third is spelled a different way. And they all three do different but similar things. And they're the only critical fumble effects that are duplicated. Was that a design choice? <laughs> no, that's an incredibly gentle way of saying this looks stupid and it's obviously wrong. Um, and it was wrong, right? It was totally wrong. I'm like, no, that's not a design choice. And the one spelled wrong because I didn't spell check this file because I was in a hurry. And that's my bad. I'm sorry. You have identified a problem. Let's fix it. Do you have proposed fixes? And in that case, he was like, I don't care about the rules being different. That's good. I could sit down and come up with names unless you have some ideas, which is another ways of saying, I don't want to have to do this. That's your job. <laughs> Which is it is, and it's reasonable. So it's like, well, I'll pitch you some different names, and you tell me if you think they'll work. One of them uh, was you get hit in the head, and you take a penalty to int-based things. And I'd originally, it was brain pan slam, which I'd used three times. So we changed that one to kinetically induced stupidity. People are already laughing. It's a much better name. The product is significantly better because we now have kinetically induced stupidity as a critical fumble effect. Um, and when I sent him that, I could hear Leo laughing in the cubicle over. So I'm like, we have made an improvement. This is good. But if, he could have just come and said, oh, and you, 
You screwed up. <laughs> Fix it. Um, so a gentle approach sometimes helps, especially if it's something you're trying to do a long-term relationship with. It can be worth figuring out those interpersonal things, like with anyone you collaborate with. But I think Judy's first answer for your specific situation is really reasonable. If your friends are asking you for a favor, I mean, if you came by and said, will you mow the lawn? Sure. Here I am mowing the lawn. Ooh, I'm out of gas. Can I borrow some of your gas? No, go get gas. Do you want me to do this for you or not? Um, hey, can you can you help me clean up the room? Yeah, but don't touch anything. <laughs> well, then what's the point of my being here? If your friends are wasting your time, I think it's perfectly legit next time to say, I, it doesn't seem to me like you actually want my feedback because you're not taking it, so let's let's not waste either of our time. Mm. When you get to a professional level, there are other solutions. You used a phrase I'm not familiar with. I wanted to clarify what it means. You said this person's turnovers are becoming too costly. What does that mean? Okay, so a when we assign someone to uh, do an assignment, a freelancer, the manuscript they send us is their turnover. They are turning it over to us. Okay. Um, it then goes through a development process where we're trying to unify tone and voice and check for complicated rules, corrections, and, and lore, etc. And then we turn it over to the editing. Um, if we ask for 22,000 words and we have assigned one week for developing and one week for editing, and it takes one week of developing, and I'm tearing my hair out the whole time, then I turn it over to the editors, and they're like, well, this is going to take two weeks minimum to raise to our standards. Then we, no matter what we paid that freelancer, the cost to us is greater. Thanks. Yeah. Do we have more questions? So there's, there's a question, and, it, and it, I don't know if the ball bounces between editors and layout, uh, and it's a question Jim and I have had uh, previously, and it's the style that uh, Pathfinder or Starfinder, those things come out as, um, and there's emphasis on like spell names <coughs> and things you capitalize, things you don't capitalize, um, that are different for game rules than might be different in other publications for accessibility and readability? Is there any guru uh, in layout or editing side that talks to those things? Kind of in, in, what, can, you give, uh, can you give maybe a specific example? So I can clarify for yeah. that. So um, one of the things that we try to do with our products is to make yeah. them as readable as mm -hmm. possible for people that have mm. uh, color mm -hmm. discrepancy mm -hmm. issues, mm -hmm. people that have readability, graphing issues, tracking issues, that sort of thing. Yeah. Try to make them as, as accessible as possible. ADA regulations are arcane and hard to find, okay? Um, but one of the things that we try to do, I know someone who's an accessibility editor, she lives in California, and she will take a pass at our stuff sometimes. Um, and for most for most part, we, we hit it every time. Um, but I guess what Paul's trying to say, and, and I'm, like I said, I can talk about that, what resources do you guys use to ensure that your products are hitting that mark whereby you don't have folks with tracking issues coming to you and saying, hey, I can't read this. Mm -hmm. um, it used to be the standard to do everything left justified. And now Starfinder and, and Pathfinder are all full column justified. Mm -hmm. um, am, I, am, I, am I right with yeah. what you're asking? Well, it's that, but I think it was also like the capitalization. The capitalization, that sort of thing. So um, in, in some readability guidelines, mm -hmm. it will tell you if you want to call attention to something, you highlight it. Either italicize it or bold it. Don't do it too much, but mm -hmm. you want to call attention to it, you do this. In standard format for Pathfinder, if it's feed, it's capitalized. If it's a spell, it's italicized. Mm -hmm. uh, but that doesn't necessarily 
draw attention to other things that need to be done. Um, it can be confusing for some people. So do not take too much time on this, and, and Judy, I'm sure, has a lot of input, but we have a house style guide, uh -huh. and we try to have everything be consistent with the style guide because if we present information differently from book to book, even if it is better, we will confuse a large number of people because presenting it differently makes them think it must be different. So a style is in general determined for a line, and we try to make changes only if there's a really significant need. Pathfinder 2nd Edition is presenting some things differently than Pathfinder did, differently than Starfinder did, because those new lines are really the opportunity to change things. So some are game rule stuff. If it's magical, it's italicized. Be that a spell or a magic item, if, if detect magic sets it off, we italicize it so that the GM has that information at a glance. That's a specific purpose. Some people find a whole lot of capitalization difficult to read under normal circumstances. So, for example, in first edition in Starfinder, we don't capitalize race names, we don't capitalize class names. Um, that is a place where we made a call based on who we think it's most useful to. That all goes into a style guide and that is the point where we're looking at compatibility and readability and all that. And then we try and follow it. We do occasionally have conversations like we have run into this problem. Does it raise to the level we need to change it for this line? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so um, uh, a, a, quite a bit of what we do ends up being uh, feedback driven where we'll you know, get input from people of like, hey, here's a thing that's not working. Here's the thing, or here's the thing that, like, thank you, somebody tried this out. That is, um, that was really helpful. And sometimes this is just, you know, someone made a different. Like, we have a new adventure path line where they're try testing out a different kind of formatting method. Um, that you know, like, we can kind of use that to do a little bit of A/B testing and see what's working better. Um, we did a few things for the P2 core rulebook where. Um, there was, so, like, I think in the first, in the play test book, there was some amount of color coding that was not initially going to, that was, for a very brief period of time, the only signal for some information, will, and we had to have a bunch of back and forth to say, like, levels. yeah, um, mm -hmm. or uniqueness, mm -hmm. then uh, kind of similar thing, of, like, one, this is... Um, not only is this really going to be really hard for for people who have color blindness, but also like some of these colors are not actually just they're not distinct. Yeah. Even if you're, uh, you know, like so, just like not only a single mode of communica uh, communication conveying information, but like best case, it's confusing. Um, so we're trying to do <laughs> a lot. Like we're trying to do more sort of redundant signaling in there of information, um, like with the action glyphs went from having that be just like an, an art object in a, in a symbol to actually being a font so that uh, uh, e-readers can actually, will read that as a word if they have the, the right font loaded in there. Um, so that, like, there's there are a number of tricks that you can use to, like, make make things more accessible like that. But, yeah, it, it is a, it's a negotiation between, you know, what you want like the overall look of things to be versus like what are what are you know like how to make um, having things being like maximally pretty versus maximally use, mm -hmm. usable and kind of yeah we're kind of falling somewhere in between yeah for the color blindness thing we had an app right oh yeah so yeah, the, yeah there, there's apps you can get down download online that will kind of show what all the colors look with different types of color blindness actually so then you, which is great when you have to make a case. Of like, oh, this is not this is not working. By the way, these are all come out as indistinguishable hues of orange. Liz Course talked about that yesterday. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, nice. 
because um, um, it was something that we brought up. Because again, you know, yeah. you want you want to be as accessible as possible. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, yeah. When you've got like, I, I I don't want to sound like I'm like a bad mouthing other companies, but there are certain companies out there who, when they produce their stuff, they like for the graphs, um, the color saturation or the color value on their graphs are, are approaching fifty percent. And having worked with people that are colorblind, when I was taking my graphic design courses. Uh, way back when, in the dim time, one of the things that we <laughs> learned was you never go anywhere close to 50%, mm -hmm. especially if you're dealing with people that are colorblind, because the closer to 50% you get, the more just a, a vast field of gray that it becomes. <laughs> right, uh, right. And when you've got, you know, when you've got black text on black backgrounds, if they're seeing dark gray with black, they're never going to be able to read your table. Mm -hmm. I used to I used to room with a guy who was red, green, colorblind, and at one point we were using a third-party product for uh, for third edition D&D, and, and he kept saying, where is this rule you guys keep quoting? And we said, well, it's on page 125. And he said, there's no rule on page 125. It's just a bunch of it's a bunch of flavor text. And we said, no, in the sidebars, there is, it's just a black bar. Oh, no. Because they had done yeah. the 50% gray with, or the 50% color with yeah. the uh -huh. text. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, yeah. it's been a big concern. Right, right, yeah. And some of it is also just like men. It turns out as you get older, your tolerance for font size. Yeah, yeah. Tiny, tiny fonts. So we finally got that font size up half a point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> magical half a point. Or like, you know, getting backgrounds. Of, like if when you have there's a textured page treatment, like getting yeah. those lightened. And, and I suspect it didn't hurt that when, when Chris Carey, who used to edit with us, and I would be looking at a rule book and we're going, okay, all right, I see what you're talking about. Yeah, because we have to take our glasses off and put it two inches from our face. Yeah, yeah. But are we on time? So, um, we are about, yeah, we are kind of at the end of our time. Uh, if people want to have a takeaway exercise, we have a writing and editing quiz that has examples of please do not do this, various <laughs> things, which we can also, since we're out of time, uh, like give quick answers to perhaps not in this room. Um, but if you people want to kind of look at things, some of these are, are real sentences that we're like, oh. <laughs> Um, used in those cases with permission because, like, the authors are people like, really, really, James, really? <laughs> or, you know, so we got, we, we have talked them through this and they know and they're fine with it. Um, some of, a lot, some of them are fictionalized versions of things that we see a lot. So if you would like to take a look at that, come on up and grab one. And thank you all for coming. Thank you very much, folks. Be kind to your developers and editors. Be very kind to your editors. <laughs> Thank you all for doing that.